morning. Good morning. Hey, someone lost a phone. It's a purple phone. Anybody uh, lost their phone? Anybody lost their phone? Well, I'm going to make a call to Germany. That's yours. Hi. How are you? You don't have to be embarrassed. You have a phone. That's okay. Well, good morning. Uh, it's good to be together. Uh, gosh, a, a few things going on. First of all, I just want to commend you. Um, and the, you, you're just smart. Um, there, are, there are thousands of people trying to prove their physical feats by running the Cellcom. And you this morning don't have to prove anything, do you? And you just said, you know what? I run on my own time, right? I don't need medals and all that stuff. And I just want to commend you for the wisdom that you guys have. How that, huh? Yeah. I was selling Harper, I go, it's crazy. We have more people on Memorial Weekend here than the Cellcom. I mean, it's just crazy how big that thing's gotten. Hey, we had a great time with our volunteers, and you need to know that Community Church is made up of some amazing volunteers, and we get to celebrate that of people that have committed to, to use their gifts that God's given them. That's what Scripture talks about, being a part of the body of Christ. If you volunteered at all this year, would you stand up at Community Church? Anytime this year, stand up. Would you guys give them a hand? This is really who runs the church. Yeah. Thank you. Now, we thanked our volunteers. For many of you that were there, we brought in a polka band. And so I polka for the first time. It's my confession. Um, I'm amazed at the hip workout I got from the hopping, right? This was like amazing. Pulaski people are just crazy in shape, I think. Or, or not. Not so many people are clapping about this polka thing. I'm, I'm excited to go to polka days at least once. Um, wow, some, you're very excited about polka days. Okay, park at your house. Got it. All right, I'm in. Uh, I'm excited just to share with you this morning. And uh, we're going to be in John chapter 15. So if you have Bibles, uh, digital Bibles if you'd like. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Some will pick up a Bible. There are uh, Bibles on the racks. Anybody need a Bible? Anyone? Just raise your hand. No? Paper? Paper Bibles are just not popular anymore. Everybody's gone digital. Uh, so John chapter 15. Um, I want to talk about uh, this idea of our summer. Now, as you turn there... How many of you, just as a confession, there was a movie series, a horror movie series. Uh, by the way, just as a factoid, uh, horror movie genre is the highest grossing in the film industry. Uh, so that could be disturbing to you. Um, I'm not necessarily a big fan, but uh, there was a movie series that came out, I Know What You Did Last Summer. So just, this is church, it's okay, we're love and grace. How many people actually watched one of those? Anybody raise your hand? I Know What You Did Last Summer. Some are like doing a half raise. That, that doesn't mean like, you know, it's any better. Just, just raise the hand. That's good. Uh, the premise was, uh, which is the same premise of any horror movie, which is what they ended up hitting some guy and they bury him and hide it. And then he hunts them all summer. And they actually made a second movie, I think, of him hunting them all summer. I don't know. Craziness. 
How many of you, though, have approached the summer and you had great plans, right? You had all these things you wanted to do, and then the summer was over and you said, oh my gosh, we just, it's haunting all the things we didn't do that we want to do. Anybody confession? You've had great plans for summer, right? I know, like, there's things, uh, I asked Trisha this question, and, you know, we had on our, our agenda that we'd want to do more barbecues with more of our neighbors and more people, and sure enough, that really didn't happen. So, uh, that kind of haunts us. And I wanted to talk about how do we, after this series from Fan to Follower, how do we actually do something this summer that has more purpose or unlocks more of the design of who God's made us to be this summer? Now, that doesn't mean we can't do the fun things we want to do. I think it means in the midst of all those things, is there a purpose for those things? And so we're going to be in John chapter 15. John chapter 15 is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Uh, Jesus is going to use this metaphor, <coughs> excuse me, uh, a brilliant one called the vine. He's going to talk about being a vine and branches. Now we know a lot about vines. Vines, uh, you can't, tr- it's hard to, to, to make a vine not go somewhere, right? You have to kind of do that by training vines or wrap them around other things. But vines pretty much permeate and saturate a complete space. And some of you already in your gardens, you know you've planted, you've planted certain plants that are viney, that now you're saying, why did I do that? Try to kill the thing, it doesn't die, right? Anybody in that boat? Yeah, because vines eventually do this. They completely saturate. I think it's important because we're going to talk about this metaphor that Jesus is going to use about the vine. Now, we're not going to get through the whole chapter. At the end of the chapter, Jesus is going to make a comment on a few verses about someone that he's leaving that I want to just make a note about. He's going to talk about, I'm going to leave for you someone called the Advocate or the Helper. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, we've just been in a series called From Fan to Follower. And uh, one of the things you need to hear very clearly, we talked about that, is you cannot check boxes to try to feel like you're spiritual. That's called religion and it's empty and it's void of relationship. Uh, another way to say this is when I fell in love with Trisha as I saw her and uh, we started to date, I didn't rush to Barnes and Noble to find a book on how to feel more in love. I didn't, you know, how do I get that, you know, tingles down my spine and Uh, You know, just that sense of feeling more in love. Here's the things you have to do. As crazy as that sounds, I think a lot of people treat their faith that way. That this, there's, if I do some things, I'll feel better about my love for God. So let me explain how this works. When you come to Christ, he gives you the Holy Spirit in your life. But the Holy Spirit needs, uh, in some ways, permission from you. It needs for you to let him in on all rooms of your life. How many of you have invited friends over to the house? And um, we never do this, but we'd say there's a conversation of what rooms in the house are your guests not allowed to go in, right? They're not, and why are they not allowed to go into those rooms? Because you have stuff in there you're embarrassed about, right? Like if they saw how messy this was. How many of you have done that? You've had rooms that are off limits. 
We've never done that. All of our rooms are always open. Trish is really free about that stuff, and you can walk around our house anytime. Not true. Um, <laughs> often I think people come to Christ and they invite the Holy Spirit in, but like, hey, stay in the living room. Jesus is going to talk about this idea about being connected to the vine, but I want to make sure that we're cautionary in this, in this study. Because you could quickly think, I need to do some things so that I feel better in spiritually inside, when really it's the Holy Spirit that begins to drive us, compel us to do things in our faith. You see the difference? Uh, let me explain one more way. Uh, there was, I, we just finished an Alpha course, and I just shared this story. It's a great story. <clears throat> I heard it from one of the teachers in England. It was great. So this married couple's 50-year anniversary. Um, their kids got together to celebrate their anniversary. They were in shock that they made it 50 years. They said they don't know how because they argued incessantly. They just argued, argued, argued. In fact, the kids got together and they didn't even know what to get their, their uh, mom and dad. So what they decided is they got them a series of appointments with a marriage psychiatrist. So there was even arguing over that gift. And so the parents didn't even know if they wanted to accept it, but they reluctantly got in the car and they drove to the psychiatrist and argued the whole way. They got there, they, they sat down in front of this psychiatrist's desk and he asked them one question and they just erupted into arguments. Just nonstop to where finally this, this psychiatrist just gets up and says, stop. He walks around the desk and he grabs the woman and he gives her a kiss on the lips, awkwardly long, <laughs> very long. The room is silent. He puts her back on the couch. He goes back behind his desk and he looks at this man and he says, now listen, she needs this at least three times a week. And so the man opens up his day timer and says, I could bring her in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. <laughs> I think often in our faith, we're trying to schedule things that will, will create some effect without us being invested into the love relationship that God's called us in. And God's called all of us to, be, to have an experience of, of loving, a loving God that loves us. We know that Jesus Christ is the great sacrifice from God, and we can know the love of the Father through that, and the payment of sin. We know that. That's the story of what it means to have a faith in Christ. And we know that. We celebrate through Easter and Good Friday, the resurrection, the crucifixion. These, these are beautiful ways for us to know the truth. But how do you feel love from God? Friends, that's where the Holy Spirit is, starts to invade a life, and you feel a sense of his love. This morning, we're going to need to pray and ask that God allow us to feel the sense of his Spirit's presence in our lives. Now, I've talked to a couple friends of mine. They're, they're what I call um, independent, stubborn believers, and believe me, that's okay. But So they don't like any time I say, hey, everybody do this, because they don't want to be forced, so no one's forced in the room. I want to pray, though, and as a symbol of inviting the Holy Spirit to begin to change you and transform you, you can open up your hands. 
So I'm going to pray that way. You don't have to. Um, if you want to clench your fist, be right ahead. That's okay. Father, we're uh, amazed at the gift of your son, Jesus, and so blessed by the presence of your spirit. Will you, we want to invite you into all the rooms of our life. As we read John 15, as we talk about the vine and the dresser, Father, might you inspire us, might you challenge us, might you begin to change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> okay, John 15. Let's, uh, let's turn there, um, wherever you're getting there. So, I don't know why this always goes back to zero. There we go. John 15. I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, and if you do what I command you, no longer do I, do, I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, and so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. <clears throat> so how do we have a summer that we can look at at the end of it and say, I know what I did this summer, and it, had, it was full and ripe of purpose. Of, of fruit, of God using me in wherever I'm going to be, whether it's at cabins, whether it's at barbecues, whether it's on vacation, camping, festivals, <clears throat> at Polka Fest, whatever it might be. How do we have that purpose? I want to give you three principles out of this, and I want to make some practical application about summer. John 15, I'm the vine, my father is the gardener. Already we get a picture of the metaphor. We, uh, Jesus is talking about being the vine and his father is the gardener. And then he talks about every branch that's connected to this vine is us. It says that he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does not bear fruit, he, or that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. We know something from this already. One, that we're required to be fruit bearers. That if there's a branch that's not bearing fruit, there's a problem. How many of you are gardeners? 
You're gardeners of some, maybe you don't claim to be a gardener, but you, you garden. And everybody know, knows that if you've planted a garden, and over weeks, over weeks, if it's not producing, aren't you asking yourself questions? Uh, we have some good friends, I loved it. They, they were baffled for weeks upon weeks why these certain plants weren't producing the fruit. Come to find out that they had pulled up the plants they had planted and they were watching weeds grow and they didn't know it. So when you're planting and you watch this and there's no fruit, there's a problem. We have had to, you know, go through the exorcism process of getting rid of plants because they're no longer, they're not, they're not bearing any fruit. We have to get them out of the garden. We don't want that, whatever's the problem, whether it's bugs or bacteria, to, to infest the, the other part of it. In this picture, you have to know that there is a statement here that feels a bit scary. He's going to later talk about if you're not bearing fruit, you're cut down and thrown in the fire. What does that mean? The best I can understand this text is this. There are some that are very religious, that I think know many things about God, but have not made a decision for Christ where the Holy Spirit has invaded their lives and produced fruit. We know that the Holy Spirit produces what kind of fruit? Galatians 5. What do we know? It says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Right? It keeps going, this list. Now, this is not meant to be a priority list, like, you can work on this fruit. Well, I'm going to be more loving. I'm going to be more joyful. I'm going to be more gentle. These are things that you can't quite possibly even produce in your own life apart from the Holy Spirit. We don't have it in us to forgive someone who's harmed us. We don't have it in us to be patient as we're called to be patient. I was just driving, how many of you have driven up Cardinal here and past Glendale where it goes from two lanes and merges into one? That, I'm going I'm to call that section of road, that's a spiritual litmus test to see if you're a Christian. Because every time I go through that and I merge in, someone is just raising their fist. I mean, they lose their salvation over the merge. And, and that's what the road's asking you to do. I don't, I don't know why it's such a mystery. I think uh, when we come to Christ and the Holy Spirit starts to get into your life, fruit starts to come out of it. If there's no fruit in your life, friends, if people aren't around you saying there's something different about you, it should be a part of your concern. Have I asked Christ into my life and the Holy Spirit to take over? Because that fruit producing should become a natural byproduct. See how quickly we become religious in saying, well, I'm going to work on the fruit. I'm going to try to produce that. You couldn't do that. He says he cuts off every branch that bears uh, in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit. There's a promise here that even if you do know God and have the Holy Spirit in your life, what's the promise? He's going to prune stuff. He's going to take things from your life, even if they're not bad things, he might use those as pruning. And any of you know that you've gardened, there's a decision. You, every fruit that comes off of a vine isn't going to be the one you're going to take, right? You have to make decisions of some of those tomatoes won't completely ripen. And you know what? If I, if I prune this plant, 
the tomatoes that we're, we're, we're focusing on are going to get even better. Someone in the kitchen was telling me, that we were just talking about it, is that their, their brother a, a, <clears throat> uh, owns a vineyard. And when you're a pruner, you're making decisions to prune back that maybe only will harvest next year and you'll see the benefit. God is pruning us always. Do you know that God knows and cares more for your life than you do? He knows better than you do what you need and don't need. I, I've said this to people before. I think some of us should be thanking God in our prayers for prayers he did not answer that we were asking for. Because he knew we didn't need it. Not only did we need it, it would be harmful. There's a promise here that's saying that, that even though we know Christ, there's going to be pruning. You're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. It says a promise. There's a command here, remain in me. And I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. You cannot produce a fruit-bearing life in Christ without him. Friends, you can't be religious and punch the cord or, or punch the, the, the card of religiosity and, and punch that every week and think that you can acquire enough credit that you start to earn some favor with God. He is only going to produce fruit in your life for those of who are submitted to him. And that's because there's an inward change. You know, we, we, you can't experience God through religion. You can when you allow him to be invited in. <clears throat> and so what's the first principle? Uh, it's, it's going to be really simply to remain in me. We are to remain connected to Jesus. He refers to this in the second passage. He says, my father's glory is that you bear much fruit. This is just, uh, again, affirming this concept. You've got to remain connected to Jesus. We're to remain connected. I want to give you some practical pieces of what that looks like. Two more principles from the text, though. Verse 9, it says, <clears throat> uh, "If in verse 10, if you keep my commands... If you keep my commands. <clears throat> Some of us, I think, look at the Bible as a rule book. And, and so the rule book looks oppressive and, and it feels like controlling and God just wants to control me. And it's, it's like we look at, at you know, our, all the laws of our country or driving laws, right? Our driving laws are some other ones. So... Uh, they're so restrictive. What do you mean we can only go 65? You know, who are you to tell me what to do? And all those aren't, if we look at those as rules, we've lost perspective. Those are for us, for our safety, for our health, for the benefit of everyone. God's commands are not restrictive. They're to give us life. And so often I think we think of rules that God commands. And simple things. We talk about, you know, there's a reason why Scripture says, do not be sexually active outside of marriage. That's not because God's a bummer God and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't like modern times and he's, you know, he's going to be a bummer. He, God knows that does not help the covenant relationship. And it's going to actually take away from the gift I created in marriage. And so please commit to this. This is a guideline for That's just one. 
He says, keep my commands. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. When we operate in that, not obligatory, like I have to do this because God said, it's because I know he knows best. And when I do that, I start to feel something different. Verse 12 says, my command is this, that you love each other as I have loved you. God gives us another command here, love each other. Any measure of how much love you should be giving out to other people, measure it this way. How much did God give you? How much love and patience has God given each of us in this room? Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life for his friends. A great picture we know of what God has done for us, but it's also a command for us to do to one another. It goes on, just says, Uh, You look down at verse 16, it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Listen, God's telling us, I chose you for a reason. Many of you look at your situations of where you've been placed maybe this summer, maybe you have limited time off, and you think, gosh, you feel oppressed by life and maybe like God doesn't listen. Maybe you're struggling through a certain situation relationally or with health. And God says, I chose you. I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. I want you to not just stay alone and and in your own private relationship with God, kind of evaluate yourself every morning. Man, fruit is coming. I got love and joy and peace. Because friends, how do you measure any of that? It's with people. It's driving up Cardinal at the merge lane and you'll see the fruit of a spiritual life, right? coming out right when you start to merge. You'll start to sense what's going on in me. It's in those situations where it gets tense. And this is why the church has been the bride of Christ and friends, why I think we miss the perspective of church. I want you to look around for a minute. (coughs) Look around for a minute. Just really look around. Some of you are just not really looking around. You're afraid to look at these people. Yeah, I need a water. Thank you. You're not looking around. Look around these people. This is a crazy looking bunch of people. (laughs) If you don't believe me, look around. Now, why am I having you do this? We probably would have never walked through the mall and picked each other as friends, but this is the beauty of the church. God knows who you are. I believe he places us in communities like this one. And friends, get this one. To be sharpened, to be pruned. Therefore, you, you probably have situations in the church that sometimes you don't like maybe the way the church is run or you don't like certain people or I just had a guy, this is great, his, his attention was awesome, I loved it. He said he started singing because he walked to communion once and heard me singing so loudly and so bad that it encouraged him that he could sing and not disrupt the service. I love that. <coughs> maybe, just maybe, we've been placed together broken and flawed to grow each other. Do you want to know what's destroying the bacteria that's destroying the church? Is jumping family to family. Church hopping. Here's how it happens, right? You're offended by somebody. And you don't see that as God knowing and pruning you in your life. You, we see ourselves as right. And so what do we want to do? We want to just go find another place that will tell us, the Bible says, Tickle our ears with what we want to hear about ourselves. What if God knows better than us what we need? 
who we need in our life. Friends, one of the most destructive things is bailing. It's like, how many of us could bail on our families? None of us have the freedom. You might chose to do this, but none of us have the freedom to go to our families and say, hey, listen, I really don't like our Christmas meal. It stinks. I don't, I don't agree with the food choices. It's not gluten-free. I'm jumping families. I'm leaving. <laughs> you know, and going to another family and saying, hey, I really don't like the way we operate together. I don't like the game playing. I really, I'm not a game person, right? Can we not play games? It's just frustrating to me. You could pick whatever it is, your preferences, but you find <coughs> that people jump churches for crazy reasons. We don't have that freedom with families. This is what he's talking about. I appointed you that you might go and bear fruit. I want you to go out and be with people. This is my command that you love uh, each other. The second principle is that we're to love those in the faith. You're to love this group. Do you realize there's a higher spiritual calling for you in your life to love one another in the spiritual family? It's why it's in our mission statement. It says we're a spiritual group of families. We're this group of families that are spiritually connected and you're to love this group. You're to love this group. (coughs) Second, we're to, to serve those who are lost. Now, there are two of my favorite groups of people. One is I love being with people who are hungry to learn. I love people who are spiritually hungry. I got to to be at the Alpha group that's finishing up this week. And I love being with them because they're <clears throat> hungry and desiring to learn. I love that. Uh, the other group I love is those people who are hungry, but they don't know what they're hungry for. And they're probably living crazy, immoral, li- immoral lives, but I love being the light in a dark place. I love being that. There's something about that you have to realize that God shaped you and wired you in such a way to be with people that don't know God. So how will you use your summer? Based on these three principles, how will you use your summer? Well, not necessarily ironically, but our church's logo tells you about our mission and our purpose, that you connect with God, that you belong to the body, and that you go and serve others. Let me give you just some practical pieces about how you could do this one. How can you connect with God this summer? Let me give you a couple things. First, spend time praying with others, alone um, and with others, but spend time praying. Some of you don't pray out loud, and you need to begin to do that. Vocalizing your faith and your love for God and your conversation with God is a beautiful thing. You don't need a set prayer. In fact, I tell you, don't have a set prayer. Talk to God. King David does it all through the Psalms, you can do it also. It's just opening up and saying whatever your, wherever your heart is and asking and thanking. I'd encourage you to do that. This summer, make it more a point to begin to pray yourself and others. Uh, second would be to spend time reading the Bible. Sounds simple, but if the book, uh, the, the Word of God becomes something that you feel obligated to read so that you get some sort of spiritual credit, it's not going to do its effect. Because you love God, you hunger to know more about his character. Because I love Trisha, I long to know more about her. And, and as, as we talk and connect, 
we should have that hunger for God. So I would say then after that, then begin to apply it. Put it into your life. This summer as you kind of ruminate or ferment on a verse or a passage, it could be John 15. Let that sink into your life and start to apply it. Put it into practice. <clears throat> Thirdly, spend time in worship. What I mean by worship, not just music, as we've talked about that before, but it's the gathering. The Hebrew writer says, do not forsake gathering together as the local body. Now, friends, you could do that as a small group or a group of believers around a campfire, but don't forsake it. You and I need that weekly, if not twice a week. And being encouraged, and so I would encourage you, part of the reason we have live streams is so you could watch it. Even if you don't have internet, you could watch it on your phone. Gather around as a family. Talk about it. Spend time doing that together. Belonging to the body, what two things can you do? Well, we handed out these great calendars. Pull those out. You guys see those? Summer calendar, and the summer calendar, and then there's a groups, uh, summer groups kind of schedule also, but that's not on your chair. These are great. These have events like Farmer's Market and Celebrate the Pier and some of the things we're doing and some of the things the city's doing. Why did we list those? We want you as a church to say, go spend time with people in the faith. Yes, summer in your cottage and getting away and all that, but don't lose sight of needing the body and celebrating with people. Spend time with others and ask questions that will matter. Yes, talk about the Packers. Yes, talk about gardens. Talk about all that stuff. That's great. But at the end of the day, start to ask questions like, what's God working on in you? How did you get to community church? Where, where are you at in your journey and your faith? <clears throat> As you gather with people, ask deep questions. Secondly, invite new people in around a fire or meal. It's one of the things Trish and I wanted to do just to get to know more people, but have more bonfires at our house and, and just talk about life and just get to know people and their story. Man, every one of us could do that in this room. And there are a lot of people to know in this community of faith. And if you need a list of people, I'll print out a database of people that live really within your area. And if you want, I'm promising something that I'm sure I'm going to get killed for, but that's okay because I'm leaving. Um, I'm going away for a little bit. Uh, I think it'd be great if somehow, if you wanted to call in and know the people in your area, call Aaron or Sherry. Where's Sherry? What are you doing to me? Aaron, Sherry, or, or call somebody in the office. They'll do it for you. Uh, it'd be great to know who lives around your area and that you could invite them in and go have a barbecue. That'd be a great thing just to get to know new people that live by you. Right? Am I right? All right. I'm going to get in trouble for that. Uh, last, but go and love and serve others. And friends, we've been built as a purpose to love and serve the family of God. Boy, there are so many ways that you could give and, and take care of people, whether it's bringing them a meal, um, serving them some way. I've had many of you come and help do crazy stuff for a house, cut down trees, move stuff. You know, someone calls, said, I, I, we had a pastor friend said, I'll come help you drywall. Um, I don't know if it was really a big help, but it was great fellowship and it was awesome. Um, but really, I think that's awesome, and you could do that and give time. And there's so many ways from senior living centers where people just need a visitor. You don't have to know them. Just go serve someone. Do that as a family. Share with someone. Respond to the open doors that God gives you in your life this summer. You're going to be out and about, and people are going to ask you, why are you different? 
Friends, please don't just say the answer, oh, I just go to community. That's not why you're different. You're different because Jesus is changing your life. You're in love with someone. You're in a relationship. Say you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ and it will, it will definitely create a conversation. How does that work? Explain that one to me. Friends, that, that is the hope that we have to bring. And you don't have to have the right answers for that. You have a lot of ways that you can use the summer. We want to give you this calendar. There are a lot of things going on. MSM, our middle school ministries and our high school ministries have full calendars on the app. But all those aren't just for you to look as a menu and option of what I want to do and not do. It's for us to foster our and remaining connected to God. It's for us to do what we can to, 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 to invest in our family of God and then to love those outside of that family. So how do we end our service? God's given us a purpose. Our From Fan to Follower series was 42 days reading from Rick Warren's book and the questions that he posted last, that I used last week that he posts uh, about our life as us shifting from fan to follower. But it has one word, if anything, it was the original title of that book, Purpose Driven Life. You have purpose. Your summer has a purpose, a spiritual purpose to bear fruit. Romans says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. In all things. He works at the Polka Fest in Pulaski. In all things. He, he works in all things. In your vacation, in your camping, at your cabin. He works in all things for the good of those who love him. And have been called according to his purpose. You've been called. Man, love God. Have something this summer that lets you sit back and say, wow, look what God did. Now, Bobby's going to come up and he's going to sing a special song. This will be a, a first for Community Church. Um, he is going to sing a Justin Bieber song. You're laughing. How many of you are believers? That's a lot of believers. Some of you raised your hand, you didn't know what you just did. Believers. First of all, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I want to make sure when we talk about people in our culture, it's not condoning necessarily the fullness of who they are because they're broken and flawed people. And Beaver's story is definitely that. But a pastor friend told me uh, about six months ago, Phil Dooley, that his life changed. He moved in with a pastor for about two to three weeks in New York at Hillsongs, and it completely changed his life. So Google him, and you'll have this conversation about religion that he has for about 10 minutes. It will blow you away. It looks like a summary testimony from our series from Fan to Follower. It sounds like it. And you're, you're in shock. Because we think about who would God reach and save? <clears throat> Never thought him. But he's saying stuff that I thought, wow, is powerful. Not just what he said on there, but he had an old album that he produced called Purpose, and he wrote a song called You Give Me Purpose. He's talking about Jesus. And I thought from the mouth of someone who is young and made probably some goofy decisions in their life, he gets it about purpose. He gets it that God has a reason for him to live. I'm not saying he's perfect and he's got it figured out even now, 
but I want to, I, I was so blown away by the lyrics of his song. I said, we got to sing this. And I want you to listen to these words, and I want you to think about how the Holy Spirit might be calling you to think differently about your summer this year. I'm going to pray for us, and then uh, Bobby's going to sing this song, just sit down, and then he's going to lead us into communion. So, Father, we thank you that you do give us purpose. You've given us a reason to live. And, Father, might we, even just listening to these words written by someone, God, that's being moved by your Spirit, might we also be challenged. In Jesus' name, amen.